Welcome back to Beers and Brews. If you haven't already, smack that subscribe button and ring that bell so you know when we have another one brewing. This week's movie is going to be Aliens. A lot like Alien, but more. What'd you think? Huge fan. Like, I have loved this movie since I was a child, and the special effects are still top fucking notch. So, 10 out of 10. Yeah, absolutely. Stan Winston's pillar of special effects. It's... Okay, so like, I haven't seen this movie in probably eight years, maybe even a decade, and it still holds up. This movie came out in, like, 86 or something like that. Yeah. Goodness. Goodness gracious, man. Like, the, the talent behind it is absolutely mind-blowing. That was the biggest thing that I noticed. Like, this was made in 1986, like you said, and it holds up, especially visually, so fucking well. Holds up so well. Like, the practical effects are just... That's a chef's kiss. I don't know if you can hear yeah. that. And, like, for folks that don't really pay attention too much to characterizations in movies like this, it's great for that because you can just look at the cool special effects. You're like, you don't have to worry about, like, anybody. You know, you don't have to wait that long to see something cool. And this was, as we said, 1986, Aliens. This is the sequel to Alien, Ridley Scott's, you know, giant sci-fi, whatever you want to call it, his monolith. And this is James Cameron's first First go around in the sci-fi world, I guess. I I don't know. No, he he did no. some stuff after that, but well, I mean, oh man, well, I can't harken back to anything because I know you haven't seen it. But this movie reeks of Terminator, like in like the middle third, like especially well, with what, the flying ships and whatnot. When did the first Terminator come out? Eighty-four. Oh damn. Okay, then strike what I just said. Whenever the uh, the dropship comes in to pick him up and then crashes, and whenever it's first dropping him off, holy shit. As soon as it unfolds the weapons, you go, that's Terminator. Oh, yeah. It, it looks just like an HK, a hunter killer. I'm like, man, looks fucking good, though. Yeah, it does. Like, even the one, even that bit, we'll get to it, where that uh, ship crashes. And it's definitely like a rear projection kind of effect. It's just the way the camera handles it. It's just like one fluid motion. If you weren't paying attention to it or like you weren't aware of how that effect works, you're like, yeah, that was fucking cool. You want to talk about something that I thought looked really cool? Like, in the very first scene, when you've got, like, uh, the the Marines or whoever they are, like, breaking into this abandoned ship or what they think is an abandoned oh, ship, yeah. and you see this robot just, like, scanning the area. It's, like, scanning with a laser, and you see all these, I don't know, it's, like, frosty whatever in the air. All of that just looks really cool to me. It's weird to see a James Cameron movie today, like, before he, like, stuck his head up his own ass you know like back when he was creative and stuff like that and he really loved his craft and not trying to just impress people with 3d shit all the time the guy's got a good head on his shoulders to be fair that 3d shit in avatar looks pretty cool yeah the the movie is whatever but the 3d shit looks real cool to your point though chan man whenever the scan bot comes in dude that is such an amazing atmospheric build as well the way they cut down the door the way it thumps in then the scanner bot then the troops and then they're all that for them to go oh well she's alive fuck yeah this is like a salvage crew i think a salvage mm. crew trying to find just like interstellar treasure i don't know just stuff left behind and they end up uh, stumbling upon this ship that just happens to have ripley yeah still alive yeah, just a quick refresher. In the first movie, there was a ship. They go on a planet because of a beacon, and mm. aliens happen, and Ellen Ripley, Sigourney Weaver survives. In this movie, they go on a planet, and aliens happen, and Sigourney Weaver survives. Completely different. Yeah, like, in the first one, I guess I completely forgot that the cat survived, but they make Josie. that very obvious. 
By the way, that cat is now like 60 plus years old because there's 57 years that she spent up there in like cryo frozen. Yeah. They brought her down to the world and fucking Paul Reiser is who they have to break the news to oh her. Oh my god. Man, yeah. when Sigourney Weaver gets her like haircut or whatever when she gets settled, I swear to god they look exactly the same. <laughs> By the okay. way, I'm just gonna put this out there. Fuck Paul Reiser. Just independently of anything. Fuck Paul Reiser. Oh no, like immediately, like me and the missus were watching, like immediately, as soon as he comes on screen, Jess was like, he looks like a bitch. <laughs> Paul Reiser plays this fucking character in literally everything. I remember watching Mad About You, the show, mm-hmm. and always being like, man, I can't believe Burt got a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> he's so passive aggressive just like as a person like when he's trying to like be he wasn't trying to be macho but you know when he's doing his like little dastardly deeds you're just like man i just can't fucking wait for the moment he gets his comeuppance agreed uh spoilers he he does he does well now that she's been thawed out and she's met her little buddy mr paul riser who's uh, well uh, that was 47 million dollars <laughs> that's a lot of debt <laughs> mm. uh, she has to give like a debriefing and they've made her tell the story four or five times. And this is such a good bit because she's like, get the fuck out of here. Listen to me. There's fucking aliens. You can kiss everything on that place. Goodbye. And they're just like, listen, bitch, it's been 20 years. We've been down there shaking bacon. and ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we can't leave now. There's like at least a dozen dollar generals there now. <laughs> Space dollar general. <laughs> So yeah, this on this uh, alien planet, they they've just set up a colony. They're fucking terraforming and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like, hey, we got like seventy families there, and they haven't said anything about it, any aliens. Well, uh, sorry, it turns out they haven't said anything in two weeks. We should probably check on them. <laughs> and it was ridiculous, like how much shit she was getting in that meeting. Like, not only was she the only surviving member of the Nostromo and stuff like that, even the uh, head board guy said there was, like, not significant proof, but enough to kind of, like, correlate with her story. And they were still just, like, throwing her under the bus, like, dude, you you got $75 billion to pay back. Hop in a power loader and get the fucking work. She's just like, put it on my fucking tab. Oh, such a fucking good bit. Like, Sigourney Weaver as the power dominant alpha is amazing in this fucking role. Like... This is character development done right. At least for her in the action star role, it's wonderful. Yeah, so Paul Reiser actually comes in and is like, they. he drops the, the idea that, hey, we haven't had contact with this colony that's out there in a little bit. We need to go out there and maybe check on them, see what's going on. And she's just like, no, I'm not going out there. There's fucking aliens. I told you there's fucking aliens out there. Don't go out there. You're going to die. But then Paul Reiser's like, there's beer. And she's like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Is there beer? <laughs> no, well, not really. She just instantly changes her mind and joins with him. Fucking space beer. I mean, like, you can poke holes in the movie all you want. This is, like, one of the weaker bits where she goes from, like, you know, gung-ho, I'm not gonna fucking go back to, like, R.A. Paul Reiser, I guess. Well, like, <laughs> she's been having, like, these, uh, what is it called? Like, night terrors where she wakes up, She she's having these, like, nightmares, these visions or whatever, and after he proposes that to her and she rejects him, she has one about these aliens and then she wakes up in the middle of the night and calls him and is like, yeah, okay, I'm in. But as long as we're out to destroy them, we're not going to like bring them out for any science stuff. 
And in the call, like, she had woken Paul Reiser up in, like, in the middle of the night. He's like, yeah, fucking, I guess, whatever. <laughs> Good thing I had my fingers crossed. <laughs> camera pans down there, the extended cut, and he's like, <laughs> So now they're on uh, the Sulaco, which is this gigantic ship that looks like the gun from Gears of War, and it's just cruising mm. around. One of my absolute favorite scenes happens here, and it's just a quick little flash on the screen. Goes to a computer monitor as the ship wakes up and it does like a roll call. It's got all the fucking Marines' names on there, and you're just like, yes. Yeah, much like the first one, this movie does a really good job with just basic camaraderie. So you have all these people who, in any other movie, you would kind of like remember maybe two or three at most, and the rest would just be cannon fodder for the sake of being cannon fodder. You get to sit down with these grunts, you know, you get to sit down while they're just like having their daily whatever. You know, they wake up, they're all just like, man. Fucking hypersleep, am I right? Yeah, fuck this <laughs> joint. And they're all just really fun to listen to. They all have to, like, they all pick on each other. They're just fellas, including I'll tell the you, like, I'll tell you, like, you said that uh, you'd probably only remember a couple of them normally. I remember four of them specifically, and two of them only because they remind me of somebody else. Like, of course you got Bill Paxton. You've got, like, the, I don't know what he is, uh, corporal leader guy who I initially thought was Keith David but then was disappointed to learn that it wasn't. And then once he started playing it up, I was like, all right, no, Keith David couldn't do that. I like that. No, the guy that they found, whose name also escapes me, he's much more, he's like in between Keith David and like Lee Army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, he was a a real service member. He was a Vietnam vet and he gave, not gave, but he went through three weeks of SAS training with the actors. Oh, I actually remember reading something okay. about that. He was like the uh, the first uh, African-American Marine to get uh, bumped up to like lieutenant or something. I remember reading that on IMDb. That's cool. That's actually really cool. Because like, yeah. he does have that like bravada of like someone who just yells at people all the time. Yeah. Dude, especially whenever Hudson starts cutting up, he's like, Hudson, come here. Come here. It's <laughs> like, just yeah. beat your kid. And then I remember the one guy who, like, I kept thinking maybe he's like, uh, what's his name? Adam uh, Baldwin. Thought he was like Animal Mother from uh, Full Metal Jacket. It's not him either. <laughs> uh, my favorite was always and will always be Drake. Uh, he's the male smart gunner and man, oh man. Just his little banter and shit when I was growing up was always great. And then they came out with the, uh, I think it was Kenner action figure line. And I had oh, yeah. his toy. And he had the smart gun, and if you rotated his waist, he clicked, like, and so it was just like you were playing with a figure, and he did just like in the movie, twisting left to right, clicking and firing. I had a fucking ball with that toy. And then, like, the only other one that I really remember is the, uh, like, the beefy girl who kind of looks like a Negasonic Teenage Warhead, except, like, with a lot more muscle. Vasquez, that's it, yeah. Vasquez, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember, like, later on in the movie, I don't know if it's, like, a flub or anything, but you know how they have, like, the little security footage with their heart monitors and stuff, and they have their last name and their first initial? Uh, hers didn't have a first initial, so I just thought that was her full name. Yeah, she's, she's like McLovin. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they uh, this crew's getting ready to fight or something. I don't know. They're space marines. They're getting ready mm-hmm. to go fuck shit up. And I love, I absolutely love how blasé these fellas are. And it's like, oh, it's just another job. Was it just a bug hunt? Ah, we got this shit in the bag. And you just have this, like, sense of, like, foreboding that you don't get from, like, any other, like, horror-esque movie. 
Because, like, you know shit's going to happen, but, like, you kind of think they got it. Like, they're so chill. Not only are they, like, bros and buddy-buddy, but they're also professional at it, too. Yeah, I love that the first thing that they say once they get the mission is, I'm tired of saving these fucking dumbass colonists. <laughs> like, dang it. Yeah, it's just like run-of-the-mill, have to go somewhere else and do it all again. Oh, another important uh, person, I guess, that we forgot uh, to talk about to introduce, uh, Lance Hendrickson as Bishop, who is like a synthetic person. He's an android, yeah. and he plays this role really well. How, like, what's what's that phrase? There's like a, the uncanny valley. How oh, he portrays dude. that as he's, a real person. He's perfect Spot at it. Like, he, yeah. he's perfect. Basically plays the movie's punching bag because, like, <laughs> fuck, man. He did not deserve the shit that he got from basically everybody. Like, even, like, the buddies from, like, the unit, they were just giving him shit. They made him do, like, the five-finger filet nonsense or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, the synthetic went out of his way for so many times in this movie for everybody. And people were just like, all right, I guess. All right. Man, even Ripley, who is the titular, you know, hero here, as soon as she sits down to eat, he's like, you want my cornbread? She's like, bam! Hits him with a fucking lunch tray, like, <laughs> so it's just the reverse of that scene from life like you go to eat your cornbread no you can have it <laughs> yeah but uh one of the i don't know i don't have a whole lot of qualms with this movie but one of the qualms that i do have is from here until we actually get going takes a little bit of time i yeah. feel like there's a whole lot of just like showing off like guns and being sweaty and things like that on this spaceship after they've woken up and gotten gotten hyped up i agree and disagree like it does take a little long but i think it's just like playing with your expectations because like yeah. you really want shit to hit the fan but i think the movie's trying to get settled in this like little rut of like maybe you know I guess well, it's just a little like I know these guys are highly trained. Mm -hmm. You don't need to show off their glistening muscles <laughs> as much as much as you do. Like, and I don't know if they just don't have AC on this ship, but everyone um, is sweaty. It's it's the eighties, baby. That's what you do. And not to mention, you know, they're not showing off the guys so much. They're showing off their prowess and their gear. That way, you know, when they get in trouble with these aliens that they are competent machismo filled and fucking armed to the teeth and that actually works in the favor of bill paxton later on because like in the first half of the movie he's just like hell yeah man colonial marine second half oh man i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty spot on for the second half of the movie bill paxton so now ripley is trying to you know show that she's not worthless and you get to see her prowess and that she is fucking skill and power loading which comes back later and we get to see how incompetent the lieutenant is and boy oh boy is he like fucking worthless oh for sure like he even had like some one off lines like i've flown two active missions before and everybody's like okay i guess that's good including this one and they're just like fuck all right <sighs> well, le leading into that they're like oh how many how many uh drops do you have and he's like 38 all simulated motherfucker <laughs> Uh, but they drop out of this dropship, like, above uh, an entire planet. And they do it so well that it's like, you get to feel the drop. I thought that was a great piece. Yeah, and then they get down there, and there's just fucking nobody. It's yeah. like this, this, uh, it's like the fucking Roanoke colony or something. I'm expecting to look around and see, like, Croatoan written on one of these buildings. <laughs> this is another little chance for them to show the training montage basically like them moving from cover to cover all the way up to the door until they open the door and go inside with their little motion tractor and 
all that this can make me do is really, really anticipate that new Aliens Infestation game. Oh, yeah? You think it's going to be good? That fire team or whatever it's called? I don't know if it's going to be good, but I'm going to play it. Yeah, I already know I'm going to play it, though. Well, let's, uh, for prediction's sake, like, we're we're recording this in July. I'm going to say poop. It's going to be bad. I don't think it'll be good. I'll let you know, because I'm still going to play. Now give me that Alien Isolation 2. Yes, give me more. Ooh, so good. Uh, what is good too, though, is the motion tracker, and they pop that bitch out, and that is such an iconic look and sound. I the even sound, yeah. That. The sound is fantastic. It's extremely simple. It's like a blip, like a blip ba sound or whatever. But the movie does a really good job juggling how you perceive that sound. Like you don't necessarily have to see the like the little tracker to know that it's actually working. So like mm-hmm. as these fellas are walking around, they're kind of like, oh, you know, what's going on? Everything's empty. You know, in the background, there's just like nothing and then something. Nothing that's something I, and then something. That's something I didn't really think about until just now. Yeah, it has this ability to just show you what's going on on screen and still have like audio going on to raise your like tension. Uh, so you know something is going on and you know it's getting closer and closer and closer mm. without having anything to take up like visual space on you. Yeah. You can still keep that sort of dark claustrophobic feel. And then like the movie even takes it a step further because like as they're going deeper into the facility, like the quarters, they start to shrink a little bit. You know, they get mm-hmm. a little smaller. The stairwells get a little skinnier and they get into this part where like all the alien goop was all over the walls and stuff. and They had constructed that whole hive or whatever. And it's extremely compact. Yeah, and and the way that they they do the little tunnels or of this hive with the what they call like resin, I don't exactly know what it is, but it looks really cool. It looks really shiny and still sticky at the same time. Somehow, it looks like a termite made their their entire uh, hive out of like plastic or something. Shiny black plastic. <laughs> shiny and plastic. Witness me. Oh, Absolutely. God. It reminds me of like a, a mechanical wasp's nest. Like it just yeah, yeah. So weird, but at the same time, you can't not look at. It. Especially, uh, yeah, I'm jumping way ahead, but whenever the aliens start coming out of the walls, that's oh man, so oh, man. the way they bl- oh. Like I don't know if it was like because I was out of my mind, but like that subtle camera trick of like focusing on like a character and in the back like third corner of the frame, and aliens just like whoop whoop whoop. It's just there. I'm just like, what? He was there the whole time? hundred percent. I'm right with you. Like, you know, things are getting tense. You hear the beeps and everything. Like, these motion detectors, even after they said, you know, the area is secured, we're all clear. You know, once they get deeper and deeper and you see, like, it gets darker and darker and you focus in on... I don't remember who it was, but you focus in on it and it's like this alien. It's not coming out of the wall. It was the wall. Yeah. And it's fucking incredible now i'm gonna like boost this movie up a little bit more but like this is the moment where the movie stops playing around like for a Mm. lot of it so far you know you just have the bros you have the guys in the unit and everything they're just fucking broing around you know machismo ahoy but then suddenly you start to get that chipped away like wait a minute we're way over our heads fuck yeah because they start seeing all those corpses with their chests burst out they're not allowed to use like their full firearm capability due to the location being under a fucking nuclear reactor basically mm-hmm. and dude they're all just getting wrecked and you get shaky cam and then you get like the pov cam and it's back and forth and you get to see the tension build inside the apc you get to see rep uh the 
you get to see Ripley step up and take control from Gorman because he's fucking worthless. You get to see yeah. Apone trying to keep it together. It's fucking great. Yeah, Ripley and a couple of others are back, you know, sort of watching what's going on on, like, personal surveillance. And Ripley's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Get him the fuck out of there. And he's just like, uh... Uh, but, uh, like, wait a minute, that wasn't on the mission list. Wait a minute, this is groceries. Hey, guys, maybe you should pull back. Pull, maybe pull back. Get, get out of there. They should. Because there's these (laughs) creatures coming out of the walls with elongated heads, with crested divot-like spikes, uh, exoskeletons like living motorcycle parts, and they're just snatching people up. And the shit hits the fan, of course. And I forgot how many people got taken out, like half, like three or four. Because I know one dude got, like, set on fire from Friendly Fire, and I felt real bad for the fella. Yeah, dude. I mean, they are theoretically still alive. They're just, you know... Well, I don't think he was. He was flame and then fell three stories. Yeah, they, they show him hitting, like, the girder underneath, and he's just like, whoa! And he's out, you know? <laughs> He'll be all right. It's a flesh wound. He's yeah. just down there crispy. Oh, Quispy, you gotta have me kill these people. First, we gotta put a bomb in your chest. <laughs> well, let's not skip but past man. the little girl because she becomes oh. sort of a, a driving force a little bit. During all this, we see something scurry across. It's almost a jump scare. Something scurries across the screen, and we find out it's this almost feral looking girl that's been there surviving in a little cubby hole with mm-hmm. like a, a sleeping bag and a can of Pringles. <laughs> yeah, she she mostly scurries at night, mostly. <laughs> and um, so Gordon Weaver like tracks her down to her, like a little spot, like you said, and they have like a little mother daughter moment and all that stuff because we do learn early on in the movie that Ellen's actual daughter had passed away from old age because she had been in cryosleep for so long. They have this like little bond or whatever, and she takes her back to the little totally not airport truck disguised as future rig. <laughs> Yeah, and she tries to, like, you know, clean her up a little bit, give her some hot chocolate, maybe clean her up with a paper towel, try and get her to talk, and she's just like, no, my name's Newt, uh, that, that's all you're gonna get. Nobody, uh, Rebecca was my slave name. (laughs) (laughs) But meanwhile, back in the hive, let's rock. Uh, you get Drake and Basketball laying down heavy fire with their smart guns as they retreat back to the APC, and Ripley drives that fucking thing through a wall to rescue them. She and does. Yeah. Guys, but this scene is fucking epic. Just briefly, can we just go over, like, you know, when Ripley takes control of that giant truck and starts driving the shit out of it, that fella who's directing the team is like, hey, Ellen, uh, stop. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Don't, no, that's, this is this is a bit rash. Uh, why are you, you doing this? You can't do that. That's, that's not protocol. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh, please stop. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) He's so weak. (laughs) But Ripley winds up saving the day. She, like, barrels through all those walls. She opens up the back hatch, and all the fellas jump in, but, like, right at their toes, like, fucking five or six xenomorphs just trying to, like, nip at him. And so Drake is there, and he's mowing him down. And then as he's turning to retreat, Vasquez tries to cover his back, but they forget that the aliens explode, bud. He gets all burned up with acid. Then an alien tries to. PC and then Hudson gets like partially burned with acid on the arm. True. And then they be out. Mm-hmm. Just quickly, a question for you fellas. Do you think it's like a little weird? Like in the last movie, Alien, of course, only one alien. All the tension was built around that one singular thing. So in this movie, where they're like blowing them away by like the dozen, does that like take away from like the whole xenomorph thing? 
I don't think so. I think that one-on-one man with gun versus xenomorph man with guns probably going to win with the you know element of knowing what he's against. The xenomorph in close quarters, unaware in its territory, is going to fuck you up every time. And they do such a good job building the suspense with the horde mentality. It's like, okay, there's a bunch of them with guns. Send everyone. What do you mean, man? Everyone! And all these fucking <laughs> things are just ripping towards them. And that's fucking scary. So there's a lot of suspense there for me personally. Okay, good. Because like at first I was a little leery because like I see these xenomorphs just exploding under heavy fire. I'm just like, man, like they're almost like not even a threat anymore. Like they're not even like the strongest thing in the galaxy. I don't know. I think about it as like uh, having two different movies with different focuses on each. Like the first one, you've got this one like uh, this one monster that's you don't know anything about. Could be anything, but it's stalking you. The first one is like Jaws. Man versus monster. And, you know, you could have several men against him, but it's still man versus this all encompassing, like, monster. This one is like Jurassic Park, where they could all get you and they could all just rip you apart. But it's like Andre the Giant says in The Princess Bride. Like, it's so much (laughs) different to fight against just one person. When you're fighting against a whole bunch of them, you use different moves. It's like that. Okay. I like the Jurassic Park parallel because I brought it up watching, like, Cause like all those xenomorphs just almost look like a bunch of raptors, just like uh-huh. barreling down the hallway, you know. It's a big mama T Rex. But yeah, they they bust out, they get free, and Ripley ends up breaking the transaxle. So now they're stuck out there, and they call in the uh, the dropship because they're like, "Fuck it, let's nuke it from space." That's the logical way to go. Yeah, just mm-hmm. fucking nuke it, get out of there. Although it is like I don't know what they say, forty six million dollars with an M. Ooh. You know, I feel like in the future with inflation, that's really not that big. Well, no, forty-six million dollars in nineteen eighty-six. That's oh. like forty-six trillion dollars now, or something. I don't know. That's a lot of money. I don't know. It's a hefty bit of Bitcoin or something. But Doge the way they said it, when uh, when Paul Reiser said it, I was like, forty-six million dollars. That's like one tank or something from the U.S. military. It'll be all right. Yeah. I enjoyed the the banter that Paul Reiser's character posts up, and he says, "No, we shouldn't." They say, "Why?" He goes, "It's expensive, and uh, <laughs> they're endangered species." He's <laughs> <laughs> just trying to, like, you know, get on some kind of like base with him. He's like, "Hey, guys, you know," uh, and then fucking Kyle Reese is like, "No, nuke it all." <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, Ripley is the first one who says, like, yeah, we, we should just nuke the whole planet. And Paul Reiser's like, no, man, we can't do that. This is, a, you know, uh, an important species. We can't just up and decide to exterminate an entire species. They could be, like, uh, peaceful, man. And Ripley's just like, we know you're not a hippie or anything. You're a dirty-ass capitalist. Uh, you've got ulterior motives here. And I think if she didn't start to suspect something before that, this is really where she starts to suspect something. Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, fuck this guy. He's a worm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And they basically like throw him in a corner for the rest. Of, well, not the rest of the movie, but for a good portion of it. They're just like, listen, fuck you. We're, we're doing our thing. We're getting out of here. We're not listening to you until you betray us. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Judas, no. <laughs> but like we mentioned, like they call for the dropship and everything, and they're like, okay, we'll come get you, whatever. Insert uh, Fortunate Son and all that. Oh, so happened. On the way, or like as they were parked, uh, a xenomorph got on board, and he's skulking around, and mid-flight, 
he turns the uh, dropship pilot into Kool-Aid. Oh, dude, he gave her like <laughs> oh no, sensual snarl mouthed monster kiss. <laughs> I thought she was going to reach for, like, the ejector seat thing. No, she totally gets fucking eviscerated. <laughs> Absolutely eviscerated. So once the, the dropship just drops and blows up and everyone's like, well, what? Uh, what the fuck do we do now? Oh, yeah. This is when we get that classic line. The classic line from Bill Paxton. She's got an ass like a 10-year-old boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. We all know the line. Game over, man. Game, Game over. That's it, man. Game over. Yeah. Game over. Well, I mean, like, I don't blame the guy. Like, there's always got to be some something in the back of your head when, you, like, your fucking escape route just fucking smashes into the planet like a comet. Well, speaking of crashing down like a comet, I'm starting to run out of beers that are space-themed, but I got one right here. <laughs> we should really talk about something other than uh, fucking space aliens. But what I've got here today is from the Hop Concept out of San Marcos, California. This is Galaxy and Comet. It's an India Pale Ale, 8.0% alcohol by volume with Comet, Galaxy, Mosaic, and Denali hops. Let's see how this bad boy is. Deploy the brew. Move it. Go, go, go. Oh, he spilled it. Oh, drink over, man. Drink over. All right, so this is pretty much your classic IPA. Not West Coast, not East Coast. This is just... It kind of tastes exactly like what IPAs tasted like before the big craft beer revolution. It's a little bitter, but it's got that like green floral background. Not fruity at all. It's just a little bit spicy too. I think that's probably from the, which one is it? The Galaxy Hops. I think that's the one that gives a little bit of that spicy character. Honestly, like it's not anything special at all as far as IPAs go, but it's just like very in the middle of everything. So this is more like a crash and fireball as opposed to a open mouth snarling monster piss. I don't know. It kind of tastes like a xenomorph's pussy. Oh. <laughs> it's going to burn your tongue up, huh? Is that what the little mouth's for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Get it pregnant. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. 17 mm. days overdue. Just like these goddamn Marines before they're going to be accounted missing. Yeah, we find out that it's going to take 17 days before, you know, of being missing before they can anticipate any kind of rescue because they can't actually communicate with anyone back home. That's so ridiculous because, like, you know, even, like, police around here just, like, don't even wait the 24 hours to report somebody missing. You know, it could be serious. Just do it immediately. <laughs> Meanwhile, the folks at Wayland Utoni are just like, so, have you heard from the guys? Oh, has it been 19 days? Fuck them. Well, I think some of that has to do with, like, the, the time of communication. Like, I don't know how far away these people are on this planet. It's got to be, like, far away because mm. it's going to take a while for their message to get to anyone. I don't know if it would take 17 days or if it's, like, maybe six days outgoing and then maybe it takes nine days to get there. I don't know. I mean, uh... perhaps. The one thing I did take away from this was, Hudson, I'm sick of your bullshit. Do work. <laughs> I don't know. I really like how broken the team is after this. Because, you know, like I said earlier, they go from like grunt, grunt, and now they're all just like, well, fuck. I legitimately don't know what the fuck to do. Sorry, Sigourney Weaver. You're tall. <laughs> Sorry, that you're I, tall. Not only am I tall, but that lets me look down from on high on this map. Look, service tunnel. Weld here, here, and here. Affirmative. 
Yeah, they sort what? of start to dictate some sort of a plan. I don't exactly know what it is, but it involves blueprints and like sealing up some exits. Yeah. Don't know what they're gonna do after they do that, but Well, I kinda get the idea, you know, they find kind of a secluded area, chop off all the doors. They can kind of keep an eye on the other bits and everything, just to kind of stay frosty. Wink. And uh, it's just kind of silly how it gets put together because like Michael Bean or Bine or whatever is like, there's nothing we can do. This, it's too open. And Sigourney Reavers is like, I've got a plan. I guess it could fucking work. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I guess we could. <laughs> like the, the way it goes together so quickly, just it's almost like, well, it's so open. What do we do? And she's like, what if we just close the door? Jesus fucking Christ. She's, <laughs> She's brilliant. Will you go out with me, Ripley? Where am I located? <laughs> yeah, that's something I was going to bring up. Like, he gives Ripley his locator so that I guess they can know where she is. But he makes like a sentimental kind of a, a, an appeal to it. I don't know what, what I'm really trying to say, but like, it's almost like a romantic scene. Mm -hmm. And then just immediately she's like, Hey, little girl, uh, Newt, I'm going to give this to you because that's going to be completely useless, but also want to be a little bit motherly. Yeah. Well, that's why later on in the movie, he was really hard on about teaching her about the pulse rifle and stuff like that. Because uh -huh. like, he noticed that like, she had like, Oh, whatever. Give it away the watch. I uh -huh. had to step up his fucking game. Like, Hey, this is a, Pulse rifle, 2,000 whatever. It's got whatever rounds. Oh, it's so heavy. Look how heavy it is. Just like throws it at her. Don't you want to feel this power between your legs? <laughs> is that what I'm supposed to do with a gun? <laughs> but we do have a few more scenes here between Ripley and uh, Newt, the little girl that she saved. And let me tell you, I hadn't seen this movie before. So having seen... Uh, the Thing before this and several other movies. I did not trust this little girl at all. I was so apprehensive. I was dead determined. This girl is a fucking xenomorph in disguise. I mean, you kind of get that idea. Like, when we get into the whole Paul Reiser fucking over everybody kind of thing, and it get, that gets deeper down that well, you kind of think, well, well, maybe she's got like a little bun in the oven. You know, maybe she's got that little uh, face hugger just waiting to, you know, pop out there. She's a parasite of another kind, just taking up all the sweet Ripley's time. Oh. After Sinpa teaches her how to handle that big gun and slap <laughs> it hard, she, <laughs> has to, she has to go lay down under the bed with Newt, and she wakes up dead. <laughs> That's the worst way to wake up. Unless she was zombie. Nah, but she didn't wake up dead. She got a face hugger trying to latch onto her and shit, and... At the moment, Bishop's busy hacking in his blue light cyberpunk background. Oh, yeah, just briefly tie that little knot. Uh, they sent Bishop off to, like, the satellite dish in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> and they sent him on, like, the quickest way there, which is, like, a la Shawshank Redemption or whatever. <laughs> I have that exact note. Bishop volunteers for a Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't exactly know what he was supposed to do. They were saying a whole bunch of technical whirly gig stuff, like he's got to go patch into the mainframe and remote out to the... I guess there's uh. another plane that he was going to... I don't know what he was doing, but he was like, I'm an android, it only makes sense for me to go, but I'm still scared, uh, I'm not stupid. Yeah, and it's like a little bit of brevity there is really nice because um, Bill Pax is like, oh, I don't want to go, man. I got so much to live for. And Bishop's like, well, fuck, I'll go. And then Bill Pax is like, yeah, fucking send him, man. He's the best guy that we can put out there. Oh. <laughs> it's fucking good. And you got these little facehuggers trying to suck face and Ripley and Newt are trying 
to escape the med bay. Burke sees it on cam, tells no one because he's a rat fink bastard. Yeah. Fuck that guy. And, Fuck yeah. that guy. Ripley has to. They do a great job making you fucking hate him. Oh my god. But she has to use like a lighter to trigger the fire alarm, and then all the boys come and run into the rescue. Oh and they kill- yes, it's one of my favorite parts because like the glass in the room, I guess, is really tough to break. And I know it's kind of set up to that the, the fella shoot the glass first before anything happens, but it's extremely quick, and it straight up looks like Michael Bean just smashed his way through that <laughs> fucking window to straight save up. his woman, Ripley. Fuck that. Yeah. He just like dives through it too. Showing you the power difference. He's like, strength! The power of love. I was going to say that. Nice. But yeah, they eradicate the two goddamn facehuggers in there. And immediately, immediately, Ripley goes, it was Burke. And he's like, oh, it wasn't me, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) And they have that little scene where they like throw him into a seat just to figure out what to do with them. They're like, oh, we're mad about you. Ah! Have that written down again. Fucking right here it says... Rats on Burke. They really are mad about you, Burke. <laughs> yeah. So what had happened, I guess, they had the facehuggers that they discovered in uh, in the first building that they went in. They were sort of in these, what 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 would you call them, like tube kind of things? Well, they brought those back to the ship and, so that uh, Bishop could study them, you know, do a little science stuff. And I guess something happened. I don't know. Paul Reiser's a dick. And they got out. That's actually the entire plot of the back half of the movie. What happened? Man, Paul Reiser's kind of a cocksucker, huh? Yeah. Yeah, he is. But he gets his cock eaten in just a few. The whole thing just chewed up and but, swallowed. But in this little scene where they have him like in a chair, like almost about to waterboard him, I absolutely love the fellas. I love the team because Sigourney Reaver's like, we got to fucking kill this guy. And he's like, wait a minute. Come on. Let's be civil. And then Kyle Reese is like, no, we're fucking killing you. <laughs> and then she's like, no. God damn it. Yeah, somebody says, like, we got to keep him alive. And I'm just like, why? Yeah, the entire audience in the theater. Fucking why? And then immediately, like, the xenomorphs cut the power to the ship. So it's like, all right, we got this other thing to deal with. We'll come back to you. Yeah. Like, you're lucky this movie turned into a horror film just now. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of been a horror film. Like, it's like a horror action adventure kind of thing. I like it. I'm into this dynamic that they have going on right now. Oh, for sure. You know what else is into this? The aliens. As a matter of fact, they're right on top of us. Oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, man, that's a fabulous scene. Like, goodness. They're all, um, not trapped, but they kind of, like, bottleneck themselves in this room where, like, there's only one entrance, and they're keeping an eye on They have the motion trackers bleeping away. They're getting closer and closer and closer. And then it kind of seems like, wait, they should kind of already be in the room. And the way they do this is really tense and like it just builds too because you hear these beeps getting gradually closer and they're looking around to see like where are they? They, They're 15 meters away. They're 12 meters away. They're 5 meters away. They should be in the room with us right now. Where the fuck are they? And then uh, I don't remember who it is but somebody just like goes up and peeks out the ceiling. Oh, Michael Bean. And what he sees, you only see it for like a split second, but it's like, how many would you say? It's like fucking 30 of them, 30 full-size xenomorphs yeah. just crawling toward, like fast crawling toward them. And like the look on his face when the camera flashes back is priceless. He's just like, Bleh! 
And the way he drops back down, firing is what's best. He doesn't even try to like hop down. He literally just lets himself fall backwards and unleashes whatever he has in that pulse rifle. This and is it, one of the many oh shit moments in this movie for me. And it, it like I'm a horror movie fan. I like jump scares. I like I like all that tense building stuff. Like I don't. It takes a lot to get me to go like oh shit. But I had a few of them in this movie. Absolutely. But, like, as the team is completely shocked and blindsided by this revelation, fucking pussy-ass Riser, like, escapes <laughs> through the back door behind the storage stuff. Does he escape, though? He's trying real hard. Dude, <laughs> all the people that literally fucking hate Paul Riser now because of this movie. Is there, like, a Facebook page I need to follow? I feel, I feel like there is. <laughs> you know, fuck Paul Riser. <laughs> uh, he's a real good guy, but fuck him, Burke. <laughs> <laughs> oh man he's like that dude from ghostbusters that people kept calling dickless for like 30 years oh, what? damn who don't have a dick <laughs> yeah but burke runs away uh, he gets his comeuppance though as they start to spray through all these aliens and there's just too many we unfortunately lose our good friend bill paxton he is drugged to the abyss they they start falling back and the door's locked and they're like burke Burke and he's on the other side like mm mm nope. and he gets eaten that apparently one single xenomorph had decided to flank and was waiting and it ate him so fuck him yeah, yeah fuck this him. is the one time I'll root for a xenomorph agreed and I, I think that they put him over there by himself uh-huh. that single xenomorph so he would never be thought to be in any of the xenomorphs that were eliminated in the firefight he gets to survive at oh. least until the Hell, maybe he even ran away. He I just like gone. how he, like, you know, he's obviously afraid. He's, like, backing into a doorway. Like, you think, like, I mean, obviously the way he's backing into it, you think, all right, something's coming. He's going to he's gonna get spooked or something. And then, surprise, motherfucker, it's a xenomorph, and he just gets fucking annihilated, I assume. For a second, I thought you were going to be like, oh, that's just the xenomorph equivalent of Paul Reiser. That's why that one's there. <laughs> Oh, well, it wouldn't have eaten him. It would have been like, oh, well, I need to take you back to the lair for prosperity's sake. I mean, you, <laughs> you know, really, this guy, he's uh, he's worth forty two million dollars. And that's 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 a lot of profit. It's worth it? forty two resin chips. That's why aliens spend money like I was going to go with space bucks, space, space bucks. bucks. God damn. Yes. He's worth forty two million space bucks. <laughs> That's a lot of space bucks. But with the team compromised, they got to get the fuck out of there. Like, Bill Paxton's gone, Paul Reiser, fortunately gone, and they get the fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah there's only a get... handful of them left now, right? Yeah, and it's well, dwindling the... as we speak, because, like, um, the way they get out of there, Newt's like, hey, I know all the tunnel systems in this entire place, let's go through here. And they scurry through one of those, and uh, Vasquez gets got. Unfortunately, because she like she yeah, takes out a bunch of xenomorphs and she gets a uh, gauze done. Her K to D is through the roof, though. She has killed so many of these fucking xenomorphs. She's emptied out her smart gun. She emptied out a pulse rifle. She even took one motherfucker out with his pistol until you know the acid got her. Yep. And uh, who was the fellow that with the burnt eye that came back for her? That's Foreman. He fucking mans up. Sure does. Like he fucking goes out like a man too, because like oh, they're surrounded on both sides. You know, the other fellows are trying to get away, and he's like, you know what? Flick grenade. Damn yeah, right. and through this whole little scene, this is one of the big times where I'm like, this girl, there's something about this girl. I don't fucking trust her. She's, you know, taking these shortcuts and shit, going across the roof or whatever. 
she's trying to lure them in, you know, I, I, I don't know. But she ends up, like, falling into, like, a, a little slicky slide or something, drops down oh. into, like, a little boat or something, a sewer. Yeah. I don't know what this is. <laughs> it's just a space mode. Fuck it. Whatever. Yes. Very, very convenient. Small child-sized shoot leads yeah. her to a moat. And I know you can't root against kids in movies like this, but, like, given the situation, I was just like, fuck her. Fuck her. You're almost there. Just go. Yeah, we, we got there and there were no survivors. None at all. Nope. Uh, yep. We just nuked the, the whole place. Nope. Yeah. Nope. No children at all. Just, that's where the mama bear kicks in and she can't have that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a detriment because, like, they get to these little dropship or whatever and everybody gets aboard. It's like, wait, give me exactly 15 minutes. I'll be right back. Yeah, but conveniently, she does still have that locator on her because we we knew that that wasn't going to come back at all. This this little bit kind of annoyed me because it made the movie like linger a little too long. Yeah. But man, it has one of the best shots in the entire franchise. So New, you know, gets sent down to the space moat, whatever. They find her pretty quickly. And she's under like, some metal grates and they have to cut it open with a little laser thing. And like as they're busting their ass trying to get it off, a xenomorph is like right behind her, like almost the entire time. And when it finally breaks the surface, holy fucking shit. I was like, oh, you know, I was like, no, get out of there, dude. It looks so good with all that water running off of it. The tail in the background whipping the the suits for these things are incredible. Holy shit. Yeah. Beautiful shot. Goodness. Speaking of suits. Can we just talk about, just very briefly, something that I have to say. Like, okay, they know that these things bleed acid. They're just walking out into the world, just raw-dogging the world with their face. No protection, <laughs> nothing on... Like, okay. they're basically shirtless. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to bring that up as I was watching the movie, but I realized something, is that the planet itself has already been terraforming for 20 plus years. So uh -huh. there was, there was oxygen. It's yeah. fine. It's not like, it's not like alien covenant where they legitimately walk onto a brand new planet. They know nothing about, and they're just fucking raw dogging the shit out of it. And they get fucking ear aids. <laughs> ear aids. I think they're called hearing aids. <laughs> Good God. But no, but seriously, this... like put on something, some kind of protection, wear a helmet of some type. I don't know. Well, they had those goggles you get from chemistry class, you know? <laughs> they need something. Because, like, just a little bit of acid from one of these things. Like, you shoot a bullet into one of them, which is your... Like, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to kill them. You get a little bit of blood spray on you. There goes your arm. Come on, man. Put something on. Uh, it'll just be like... Uh... It'll just be like Bill Withers from uh, Predator. Just keep going. Just ah, the arm's still shooting for you. There you go. It's like a it's like a turret now. Bill Withers was in Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. Yeah, <laughs> oh. So, geared up Mama Bear fucking grabs a flamethrower, goes booking down into the alien hive, and we get another good look at this. And then she makes it to the egg room. And oh man, fuck! Man, yeah. Goodness. Fuck shots in this room alone are amazing the, of the eggs of the uh, the queen's ovipositor of the queen herself backlit like some sort of angelic yeah. mechanical spider dragon it's fucking badass from here on out everything that you see on the screen is incredible it looks so good no qualms with anything visually mm -hmm. from here on out so good 
Yeah, and it's the perfect form of escalation, too, because the xenomorph itself is, you know, self-described as, like, the perfect organism. And there's something about seeing the queen. If I was in Ripley's position, I'd be like, well, shit. <laughs> and she kind of is. Like, we have a little... It's a Mexican standoff. We have like, a little hint that this is going to happen or that we're, we're going to encounter something like this earlier in the movie. Uh, Ripley says something like, all right, so there's all of these space huggers and they all hatch from eggs. Well, who's laying the eggs? And, you know, whoever it is just kind of disregards that and is like, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. We found out. And it's the queen and the queen is jai fucking gigantic. In a little bit, like after this scene, where we definitely have to talk about, uh, it starts like walking, and it almost has like parallels to like the T Rex from Jurassic Park chasing after mm-hmm. the Jeep. Mm-hmm. Like it's fucking ridiculous. So Ripley is basically threatening to burn the eggs if the Queen doesn't let her take Newt. And so the Queen is actually intelligent. She figures it out. She's like, sure, take the kid, get the fuck out of here. And Ripley, being spiteful, is like, I'm gonna burn him anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a burn. I'm gonna burn this motherfucker down. And the queen's like, bitch. She said, yes. She looked her in those of her souls. And she said, bitch. Bitch. (laughs) All right. Just as long as we're on the same page. Yeah. So she blows up everything in there and fucking boogies out. And we get to see the queen tear away from her egg sack and start charging after her in an amazing fucking scene. And keep in mind, during this whole time, you know, she started out with 15 minutes before explosion or something. I don't really know. Was this like the nuclear, like, reactor going? I don't know what's going yeah. on here, honestly. Well, it, it was the reason why they couldn't use their weapons early on in the movie, because, uh-huh. like, their firearms would pierce through. I forget what it was, but it would call it, cause, like, a cataclysmic meltdown. And that's unfortunately yeah. what happened. So the time it took from then to now is what it took for everything to go to shit and back. Well, we keep hearing like these these updates. It's like you have twelve minutes before meltdown or whatever. And then we cut the Ellen Ripley and Newt in the elevator, just jammed to some like little elevator music, like dum, dum, bum, bum, bum. And then they do have commercials. I think I heard something about the softer side of Sears. Oh wow, <laughs> that brings me back. <laughs> But they get out, and she's like, oh, fuck, we're going to die because T-Rex has used the other elevator. And like, ah. <laughs> yeah, that actually made me laugh. I know How it shouldn't have. I How know did it the Xenomorph have. press the button? How did she press the button? With her she, has mouth. Very, she has a very articulate tail. Okay, you want to talk about the little mouth? The queen's face is so fucking amazing with her clear teeth and the way the head drops down out of that like carapace casing. Mm. Dude... Wow. Oh, it's incredible. Like, I'll bring him up again. Uh, Stan Winston and his company. Like, this is the reason why, like, he got all that business. Like, he's That's the guy fucking... that did Jurassic Park, right? Jurassic Park, Terminator, Jaws, Alien, of course. Like, just everything. That, anything that's, like, overly complicated or articulate, I'm sure he had a hand in it. Fuck, he even designed the Iron Man suit that you know and love. Like, he's everywhere. We should do a couple of his movies sometime soon. Yeah, but the, the <laughs> ship is there. And it arrives just in time for them to jump onto the little escape ladder as the queen rushes towards the bottom of the ship. Things are slightly implied that maybe what? someone stole away. Uh, slightly implied? Wink! This is sure turn- <laughs> at the bottom. There's just a jar to the ship. The ship's a jar. 
Agile. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, they're celebrating, though. It's like, Bishop, you did it, you son of a bitch. I knew you'd come. And it's like, Bishop, you did okay. And he's like, I did? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like the, the moment he finally gets like a little like a little win for himself he just gets fucking impaled and this is one of the most gruesome deaths in the movie and it's not even red blood it's just like whatever they use that like the white shit and the dude just like pumping that shit out of his mouth it's like gagunk 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 just going everywhere you it's guys so absurd if you haven't seen this movie, just look up this scene. This scene is worth it for, like, no, first watch the movie. But this scene makes my jaw drop. It, it's incredible. But it also, if you don't want to spoil the movie for yourself, just look up the milk gallon challenge. Same thing. <laughs> exactly. Man, but the way that she comes down out of the ship after, like, fucking wrenching him in half to just be like... <sighs> at Ripley and then Ripley has to run away while she's busy playing Whack-A-Newt and get the power <laughs> load and she's got that fucking badass line and she's just like get away from her you bitch and then it's brawl time yeah, yeah absolutely and it's so crazy because like the queen is ginormous yeah. but the power loader has like this articulation to where like you start to think man Ripley's got a chance because she like puts her like a headlock. Do you think she's gonna like pop her like a lobster or something like that? <laughs> Ooh, I wonder what xenomorph claws taste like. Burning. Oh, that's <laughs> ah. <laughs> 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 Your face just melts away. But man, I still want to talk about fucking Bishop here because he is half a person. You only see his head and his torso mm. and his white fucking guts. I don't know why he has guts because he's an android. His white no. fucking guts are just spilled out of the bottom of this torso and it looks so good and he's still, you can tell he's in pain but still alive. But you're absolutely right. Like Even though that he'd been halved, he's still trying to help. He's still trying to earn his gold star for the day. 100%. And that's what I love about him, because, like, it's almost like he's trying to, like, uh, reach some form of humanity, you know, like, you know, camaraderie. Ripley and the queen alien, they fall into this air hatch and stuff, and they're still brawling it out a little bit. Ripley tries to wriggle out and climb up and open the door. Yeah, she opens up that air hatch, and, like, she locks her arm around the, the ladder there so she can no. try and hang on. Huh? It's just an instant no. Like, come on now, you ain't hanging on. Yeah, so she's trying to, like, push the, the, the alien, let the queen, like, go out into the suck zone while she holds on to the, the ladder. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got Bishop and Newt, you know, about to sling down to into that, too. Bishop, half of Bishop, I should say, grabs a hold of Oh, Newt. yeah. Like, Bishop see, with the interception. Like, here is what blows my mind about this scene. He is half a person. This is all practical effects. His guts are spilling out. And yet this torso moves across the room. Like, how? Like, whoever whoever did that, goddamn. That's a great piece of practical effect right there. That is all-time level. You know what, just like to bring it down a little bit, I absolutely love that you love this. Because it's just so fucking great. I'm glad that we could just share it like this. <laughs> this is really good. Fuck yeah. And so absolutely. the alien gets sucked out into space. Ripley shuts the airlock, crawls back up, hugs half the man that used to be. <laughs> and, yeah. and 
Thanks, it's Scott Weiland. Not bad for a human. Oh, it's. I mean, he's probably dead, but man, good for him. Yeah. And then the movie kind of gets tied up in a nice little bow, kind of. This is actually my least favorite part of the movie because I've seen what comes after this. And fuck me. No. My, my little thing says uh, uh, she calls her mommy after two days, then it's sleepy time. And this is the last Aliens film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a shame that they never had any good ideas after this, because boy, no, like, you know, it's the movie actually just kind of ends. You know, they, they go into hypersleep and the credits just kind of roll mid scene. That doesn't bother me. But like, I just know that what comes next. Oh, man, I hate when like fucking sequels ruin the movies before it. I just can't get the chip off my shoulder. That's why I don't watch them. So that was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> oh, I did watch that one in there. <laughs> so this was my first time watching it, and I am thoroughly impressed. Like, the actual script itself isn't anything special, to be honest, but the real star of this show is the practical effects. Holy shit. This is an absolute lesson in how you do practical horror effects. I was blown away, especially with the last, let's say, half hour of it. It doesn't get any better than this. That makes me fucking stupid happy. No, me too, for sure. That's why I brought it up earlier, because like, usually when we show him like an 80s action movie, he's like, ah, oh, whatever. He's a robot and a cop. I got it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I 100% agree, of course. Um, I am in the small minority that I enjoy the first Alien movie more than Aliens, but they are co two completely different masterpieces. Like, I agree. Story-wise... You know, they're congruent. They go together. But there's something about Aliens, which James Cameron harnesses his action goodie bag of just like, I don't know, just he's so he's a great filmmaker. And it's kind of sucks that later on he kind of like put his head up his own ass because this is brilliant. This is a great time. Like it might be a little slow in the first third, but like other than that, visually, like you can bitch about like, you don't like any of the characters or you didn't catch up and you didn't learn any of their names or anything. But like visually, this movie is entirely compelling. There's very little that isn't entertaining just by de facto. Give this movie a shot. Like even if you haven't seen the first Aliens, you might lose a little bit of connectivity. Fine. But this one alone, please. If you love visual effects, if you love special effects, if you're like a filmmaker who would just like want some kind of like inspiration, please watch this movie. Dude, it spawned an entire world of lore, of technology, of prop making that we haven't really seen too many movies touch on since. And it's a shame that we're living in 2021 and movies are coming out with effects that in their own right are brilliant. You know, like I, I can't really take anything away from these Marvel movies. The special effects there, even though they're CG, are top notch. But I would still rather see that real creature on screen. You can still tell the difference. And I fucking love that goddamn queen so much. Um, the females in here, it's so ahead of its time. Like these, these these women are kicking ass and they're doing it the right way. Never once are you like, oh, she's just an auto badass. She's earning everything. And it's fucking cool. I have nothing negative to say about this other than the fact Newt calls her mom after two days. Well, there you have it. Fuck Paul Reiser. If you have any strong feelings about the movie or the show, leave in the comment section below. 
Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons. Fuck Paul Riser. And make sure you hit the little bell icon, too, so you know next time we get another one of these brewing. Get out there on all of our social media to where you can say fuck Paul Riser. We got that Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, YouTube. We're out there on, uh, thanks to the Anchor app, we're out there on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. There's no reason you guys aren't listening. If you decide not to give us a chance, maybe we'll just uh, we'll just have to get mad about you. <laughs> no, there it is. Fuck <laughs>